I would say incumbent solutions like credit line from banks or factoring is three to five months. And at de facto, the quickest SMBs that we serve from awareness, like the person was like, hey, de facto, what is this to cash on their bank account is three minutes. We have access to every single transaction, every single invoices. And so it's basically data that we can, I would say, build automated processing. Uh, and that allows us to look at the present value of your business in a fully automated way. Another strategic bet that we are making is that all these, I would say, B2B platforms, marketplaces, all-in-one, financial softwares, etc., all these guys are becoming ecosystems and they are offering more and more financial services. Welcome to the Platform Pioneers, a show about the bright minds behind the world's largest digital platforms and the stories of how they built them. I am your host, Kuros, and together we'll uncover the secrets behind creating, scaling, and managing some of the most successful platforms out there. Welcome back to Platform Pioneers Podcast. Today we are joined by uh, Jordan Giuli, the co-founder of DeFacto. DeFacto builds an instant embedded lending technology that marketplaces and fintechs can use via a very simple API with the goal to democratize access to capital. I mean, uh, Jordan, um, you've been uh, before de facto um, one of the co-founders of Spendesk, one of the largest um, expense management solutions. But without further ado, why don't you introduce yourself um, quickly and tell us a bit about what de facto's vision is, what your company does and what kind of like target customers you have. Uh, okay. So first of all, uh, thank you very much for, uh, for having me on this podcast. Uh, it's a great pleasure to have uh, uh, this conversation together. Um, so, so yes, I'm Jordan. I'm a, I'm a French entrepreneur. Uh, de facto is my fourth startup. Uh, Spendesk was the, the, the third one. So I've been building stuff in fintech uh, for the past uh, few years and uh, really enjoyed it. Uh, um, so a, bi a bit about de facto. So basically, when, when my co-founder Morgan and I, we were both working at Spendesk, we, we, we've been in touch with thousands of SMEs all across Europe. Uh, CEOs, CFOs, uh, uh, accountants, uh, uh, and basically, so we were, we were, you know, like discussing with them uh, on a daily basis, and they would all share the same needs, i.e., quick and, and, and simple uh, access to uh, to cash. Um, and so when we uh, kind of uh, dive into the in, into the problem, uh, we we understood that this was a problem that was commonly shared across SMBs, and that's. That's because basically in Europe, SMBs are kind of uh, stuck in the middle between their large customers who are going to pay them in 30, 60, even 90 days uh, late uh, and their large suppliers who are uh, uh, asking to be paid very quickly. And so this creates working capital issues for SMBs that they cannot easily solve. And so we, we, we thought it was a problem worth investigating. And in that context, yeah, we, we launched de facto. I mean, amazing. So um, kind of I'm taking from that, you're really focusing on uh, the SME space. You're doing that with a really, I would say, um, technology-driven approach via API, kind of like um, uh, offering uh, the short-term lending for APIs. Maybe uh, walk us a bit through the, the usual journey, uh, journey that a, a customer of yours would take and how we would kind of like get get access to that uh, to that cash okay but before that i think you 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 were asking about the vision so let's uh, so 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 one morning we wake up yes. and we had this uh, illumination during the night uh, where the the, the vision <laughs> came came crystal clear for us basically so the the mission that we have at de facto is that we want to offer smbs with simple and instant access to cash 
And basically our vision or what we'd like to rephrase it as, I would say, a bet that we are making on the future uh, is that uh, the future of lending is going to be embedded. And more specifically, the future of lending is going to be embedded in B2B platforms where SMBs are already spending their time. When you take uh, a look at the, I would say, classic uh, user journey, when you want to get a loan, basically, uh, uh, you would need to go to your bank. It used to be a branch, uh, like a physical location. Uh, now it's more like digitalized, uh, I would say, onboarding and flows. You would, uh, the bank would ask uh, like tons of documents, for example, your past three accounting statements, we, which you may not have if you have uh, uh, less than three years old, for example, of activity. They are going to ask you for a business plan, etc. Then they are going to review all these documents. It's going to be manual. Then your consigliere is going to take some holidays. So you're going to have an answer in three to five months. That's how it's done today. And basically, we believe that for an SMB, it would be much more convenient that if they could access financing directly from their financial software, from their accounting software, from the, the software that they are already spending most of their time managing their businesses. And that's basically, uh, uh, I would say, the, the strategic bet that, uh, that we made at de facto. So what we are building is basically an API product that is to be integrated by B2B platforms. And so as of today, we are working with B2B marketplaces where you have SMBs on the buy and sell side. For example, we are working with Malt in France. And then we are also working with fintechs. So uh, I would say uh, account payable software uh, like Libeo, account receivable softwares, uh, accounting softwares like Penny Lane, and also neobanks like Conto so that these guys, these B2B platforms, can offer lending uh, and a very simple UX to their uh, SME customers. Oh, I mean, there's been so many interesting stuff in, in what you just said and, and very interesting anger I want to explore. Let's maybe uh, start um, with one thing that, that resonates specifically also uh, with me and what we've been doing is kind of like the embeddedness um, uh, of finance. Uh, you have taken kind of like embeddedness of, of lending. We have been looking and, and delivering, I would say, embeddedness of payments and, and I could fully subscribe that. Um, what were your, maybe if you think about the go-to market, what were that, that very natural first step? Was it really the first step? Okay, let's go to finance and accounting because they are close um, that close to an SME uh, in terms of when it comes to numbers? Was it more like, let's go to, you were mentioning banks, because that is where um, where SMEs would be close to. How, how did you figure that out and, and, and went about it? Yeah, so, so, so first of all, we at de facto, we are huge believers in, in embedded finance. Uh, and if you want, I can try to define that. Basically, embedded finance is the ability of offering payments, financial services, within another interface. Uh, so for example, uh, uh, at Spendesk, uh, when, when I used to work with there, it's basically an expense management solution. Uh, like you have features around uh, uh, approval, setting budgets, you know, stuff like that. But the innovation back then was that we also offered some payments and cards uh, services. And so we were basically embedding these card service into a software. And that made the whole, uh, I would say, value of a tool like Spendesk. And so, uh, de facto, we are trying to empower other platforms to embed new features, especially uh, like lending. So, so, so back to your, your question, when, when we are like, a, uh, I would say, an API you know, provider, API product, uh, we need to find the right partners 
uh, to integrate our API so that they can deliver this to their uh, to their own customers. Um, so you have you have two ways to approach this, uh, either top down. Uh, so we thought when we when we thought about the different, I would say, uh, potential candidates in terms of in terms of partners. One thing that would be very important for us is that you want to have the user who is in charge of the finance that is using the, the product. So, for example, we thought that working with, uh, uh, I would say, old-fashioned accounting solutions uh, like Cegid in France, uh, for example, is not the best way to offer embedded lending because these softwares are for accountants, but not for the CFOs or for the CEOs. And that's the CEO or the CFO who cares about the treasury of the company, not the accountant. So at the end of the day, when you're offering uh, an embedded finance product, uh, you have to ask your question. You have to have the question, who is going to click? Which user in the company is going to click? And am I going to be able to touch this guy uh, through the partners that I'm targeting? So that's, I would say, uh, uh, more the, the top-down top down approach. And then there is the bottom-up one. We basically came to uh, every partner that we had introductions to, and we tried to build, uh, you know, the, the relevant use cases with them. Uh, so in that context, we, we, had, we had the chance to have very strong introductions and very strong links with Malt and, and Penny Lane, for example, which we started working with uh, uh, in 2000, uh, uh, last year. Uh, and now we are now that we proved that what we are doing uh, was real, uh, we can get, uh, I would say, partners that are a bit farther in our networks. I mean, uh, that, that, that makes tons of sense. And I, I think that's a, a very strong rationale for the go-to moments. Like actually, who's, who's that person in charge and how can you, can you get a, um, get a hold of them? When you think about, and you were mentioning that, that journey, um, how the, how the SME would, uh, uh, would go about, how fast, maybe for the, for the listeners, how fast can you get actually access to cash? Uh, you were mentioning that three to five months is like, like what, what, what is the user that an SME can, can expect from a solution from, uh, from de facto? Maybe then we can go as like, what kind of SMEs are most frequently using it? Kind of like from which industry or which shape, size or form? That would be very interesting. Yeah, sure. So, so the, the, the typical time uh, uh, for, I would say, incumbent solutions like uh, credit line from banks or, or factoring is, is three to five months, uh, as I mentioned. And at de facto, the, the quickest SMBs that we serve from awareness Like the person was like, hey, de facto, what, what is this to cash on their bank account is uh, three minutes. And uh, we were pretty happy with that. Uh, uh, so the, the, in terms of like the, the user experience, the following. So this SMB, we serve them through the new bank uh, Conto. Uh, uh, so the SMB has, uh, uh, for example, may have some uh, working capital challenges. Uh, there is this new like uh, financing feature uh, in Conto. Uh, uh, the SMB would access that feature would click on, okay, I want to try de facto. In the background, we get access to their past financial data and especially their uh, bank account data. We underwrite this SME in a matter of seconds. So a few seconds later, they were able to see that they were uh, eligible to up to 10K euro of uh, outstanding with us. Uh, then the SME would submit, for example, a receivable. So uh, an invoice that they would have with a, uh, Uh, like a corporate, like a Chanel or Michelin, uh, that they expect to be paid uh, in 60 days. We review that invoice. It's uh, automated. It's uh, fully automated. And then once th this small loan is approved, we send the money via instant payment 
And so the SME is able to access the cash uh, almost immediately. That's the kind of user but, journey. But, uh, you, you said uh, you sent the money directly to the SME, not to uh, the bill, uh, the one who uh, invoiced the yes, bill, yes. right? In, in that case, si yes. since the SME uploaded a receivable, i.e. it was a, a customer invoices, it was something that they it was uh, something that they sold to someone else. They are waiting for their customers to pay them. And so we are sending the money to them. And ultimately, when Chanel, for example, uh, pays the SME, we get the we get our money back. Ah, gotcha, gotcha. I mean, that's that's a very, uh, it's a super fast and automated process. Maybe one thing um, uh, also that, that is always a, a point of discussion. When you, in that case, you were describing you actually had access to, to these bank accounts um, and, and getting access to data, to critical data is uh, uh, fast. It's, it's like a, a very um, uh, important step. Uh, what do you do when um, you don't have a direct access from your partner? Do you use things like open banking? Do you... Um, Uh, just easy upload uh, themes and and how do you see kind of like that access and um, the reader of data uh, evolving? So access to data is is really uh, I would say uh, a right to play in in the opportunity that uh, in the in the the opportunity that we're building with de facto. It's basically we need to have data to be able to underwrite all the potential borrowers that we have, so that ultimately we build a, I would say a profitable business. So when you compare, when, when you take a look at how underwriting is done in, in banks or, or incumbents, basically, uh, these guys are asking for your past three accounting statements, uh, which are, uh, I would say, pretty heavy documents. It's aggregations. Uh, and most importantly, it's data from the past. So for example, my last accounting statement uh, is going to uh, reveal my uh, 2021 year of activity. So basically, True. banks are looking in the past to underwrite you. Uh, whereas at de facto, we are looking at the present reality of your business. So there is a challenge to basically, so we build internally a lot of stuff to be able to digest, uh, I would say, data sources, data coming from our partners or other sources of data like uh, uh, credit bureaus, I would say, company registries, public registries, etc., and open banking. And basically, what we have is that we build, uh, I would say, an underwriting module that is able to digest one or multiple data sources on a continuous basis. So that's really, I would say, the, 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 the heart of the, of the reactor. Uh, and, and basically, when we get access to this data, we, we get access to very recent data. So, for example, when we work with a customer on Conto, we get their last bank transactions up to today. Uh, so we see the real, I would say, uh, face of your business up to today. Uh, so it's recent data and it's granular data. We, we have access to every single transaction, every single invoices. And so it's basically data that we can, uh, I would say, build automated processing. Uh, and that allows us to basically look at the present value of your business in a fully automated way. Perfect. I mean, that's that's extremely convenient and, and extremely advanced. What, what I was uh, wondering and what is always a, a question when you think about embedded finance, right? And you mentioned a couple of partners you were using, banks, accounting system, marketplaces. What is that, that main driver for these partners kind of like to embed you? Is it because they want to maybe get a cut of a revenue that is embedded with us? Do they want to enable growth because uh, people gonna going to have more cash, more liquidity? Um, what is kind of like, how do you, how do you see that evolving and, and uh, currently? 
Yeah, so, so, so basically, the, another strategic bet that we are making, uh, uh, let's call it vision, but uh, we can call it, uh, it's in reality, it's, it's, it's a bet, is that all these, I would say, B2B platforms, so marketplaces, all-in-one financial softwares, etc., uh, all these guys are becoming ecosystems for SMEs in a sense that they have a core pro value proposition. It can be marketplace, it can be software, etc., And they are adding on top of that more and more value-added services. Like, for example, marketplaces, that they, they, they want to help you with your uh, uh, tax returns. They help you with like free shipping, uh, you know, stuff like that. And they are offering more and more financial services. Uh, it started with payments. Uh, everybody now, uh, for example, Uber issues uh, cards for their drivers so that they can spend the money that they are making on the platform quicker. So everybody now wants to issue cards. Uh, uh, in your wallet, you probably have like 10 to, 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 to 20 cards. Does the world need uh, more cards? I don't know. And then they are going to offer lending. The main driver for these platforms is it's one differentiation because if they have, uh, I would say, a wider feature set, Then for us, it's a, it's, a, it's a better way to differentiate. Second, it's customer retention. Uh, if on one platform, a marketplace or, 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 or fintech, you have everything you need as an SMB, uh, you don't need to, to churn. And third, it's, as you mentioned, potential new revenues uh, because most of the time they are adding these new features like embedded lending stuff in, I would say, uh, their gold plans. So you usually have Uh, I would say, uh, uh, like a basic plan of the software. You have access to feature uh, one, two, three. And if you want to have more additional services, you need to upsell, to upgrade, and then you can have access to payments, lending, etc. So it's, uh, it's, um, it's an upsell opportunity for, for, for these platforms. Yeah, I mean, uh, again, uh, fully, fully resonates with uh, with with what I'm also uh, believing in and hypothesizing, and it's and it's interesting. You kind of like have that very differentiated differentiated view, and that people are actually um, trying or platforms trying to kind of like uh, differentiate in 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 premium plans with with these advanced uh, services. Maybe then, kind of like taking a bit um, a look into the into the future. If you kind of like look in two to three years, maybe four or five years, um, with all of that, what's what's happening in B2B lending? I mean, and, and there's much stuff. There's buy now, pay later B2B. There is kind of like uh, uh, um, short-term loans, as you were describing. How do you see uh, de facto evolving and how do you see that landscape evolving? Will we have more consolidation? Will we have more players coming up? Will we have... Um, Maybe players coming up doing, hey, I'm gonna do because I'm very good at risk, buy now, pay later, and invoice financing and short-term loans. How, how do you see everything evolving? Honestly, it's a, it's a, it's a very hard question. Let's uh, let's try to, I mean, who can predict? But uh, there are some, uh, I would say, uh, trends uh, that we are uh, true believers in. Uh, for example, the trend that more and more uh, transactions, B2B transactions, uh, are happening online. So uh, there, there are like tons of studies, uh, I don't have uh, them in mind, showing like billions and trillions of, uh, of uh, euros of B2B transactions moving online. So let's assume this, this is true. And one of the bands that we are making is that uh, basically SMEs or B2Bs are going to buy and sell stuff uh, through marketplaces. So it's a good, uh, uh, it's a good place to be in when it comes to offering um, additional services that, like lending. Another thing that is uh, basically uh, supporting this trend is the, uh, this trend, sorry, it's the e-invoicing uh, European directive uh, that is going to uh, uh, be in place in 2024. 
And so basically that, that all of this uh, uh, means that uh, there are going to be more and more online data uh, when it comes to, uh, to, uh, to transactions between businesses. And if you are able to basically get, get access to that data and processes, process it and do some smart stuff with, with, with it, uh, it's a it's a, it's a good place to be, and so for us, one of the one of the things that you can one of the services that you can add on top of online transaction data, uh, it's uh, lending because it means that uh, you can underwrite both parties. Uh, it means that you would be able to, uh, I would say, uh, legitimate that the transaction really occurred, uh, uh, maybe through blockchain and stuff like that, and so it's uh, it's going to reinforce. Uh, the opportunity for, uh, for 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 lending online. So that's that's one thing. And then second thing that that we believe in it's uh, the uh, uh, it's the fact that we are expecting more and more uh, instant experience, both in our personal and our professional lives. For example, um, so I, I used to have like an iPhone eight. Uh, and that you can unlock with, you know, the, the, your fingerprint. Uh, and then I'm like, yeah. okay, this is like so, so much better than a, than a code pin. Uh, and then the face ID, you know, came. And like, you know, this, uh, this improvement, it's, uh, uh, it's really not useful. Uh, the, the, uh, the fingerprint, it's, it's already uh, ultimate for, for an experience. It's, it's so easy. Uh, and then now that you're getting used to the face ID, you know, put, putting your finger to unlock seems completely unbearable. Uh, uh, that, that, <laughs> Very uh, true. Very true. Uh, like, I mean, you cannot imagine not doing it. And so, so basically, we're thinking that more and more things are becoming like much more convenient and, and much more instant. And that's uh, uh, what, the, what, the, what we think uh, uh, lending uh, should be, basically. Yeah, I mean, fully, fully can subscribe that. And, and specifically what you said is like on the accessibility, the amount and um, the ease of data, which, uh, uh, which will be there. I mean, I've, I've seen it and I'm seeing it from, from a just pure payments perspective, what kind of like the power uh, you can actually uh, have with, with accessing that data and, and doing the right analysis. Um, from lending, it's, it's, it's equally, if not, if not more powerful. And if you look from a ecosystem and geographic point of view is going to be the play to go more multi-product in one country geography or is something that model actually something that can scale um, easily within the EU you were mentioning a directive or where you can go um, abroad actually uh, very very quickly or is it going to be a, a local play the reason I'm asking I was in consumer credit uh, in before and and it always was a very local play and you could you could more scale um, within a country and more products rather than going going international so so my, my, my strong belief on that is that building fintech product and, and financial product is very local it's very regional. And so, because every time you need to expand to a new geography, you need to potentially integrate new currencies, uh, new payment rails. Uh, for example, in the euro area, it's uh, SEPA. Uh, in the UK, it's uh, faster payment. In the US, it's uh, ACH. Uh, so you need to integrate with uh, uh, local schemes, potentially, and uh, obviously um, abide by local regulation. Anytime you want to expand geographically, you need to rebuild everything almost from scratch. Uh, so my, my strong belief is that you're going to have uh, uh, basically re regional players. And, and uh, uh, for us, for de facto, uh, the good region that we are uh, uh, aiming at, uh, it's the euro, euro area. That's because there is a good level of uh, homogeneity in terms of uh, regulation. It's, uh, most of the time, it's European directive. 
obviously it's the same currency, uh, it's the same payment uh, uh, rate, uh, etc. So I, I really think that as a, as a uh, you know as a, as a co-founder uh, going abroad to I don't know the UK, the US, or or even I don't know Africa or Asia, it's it's a huge defocus in terms of product, and so you need to have like very very strong resources to uh, to think about this, and uh, and you need to enter into markets where you don't have uh, like uh, big players who raised uh, hundreds of millions of equities that are going to uh, you know be focused on that market uh, alone. So so geographical expansion is hard, but also uh, uh, I would say. Uh, uh, expansions in terms of product line is, is also pretty hard. Uh, <laughs> so one thing that, uh, uh, so especially with financial services where every time you want to launch a new, a new product, like, I don't know, card product, type of lending product, etc., you may have some very specific regulations. You may have some uh, uh, KYB, KYC, you know, stuff to have in mind. You may have some like deep uh, and pretty heavy integrations projects. So yeah, I mean, uh, on a very personal note here, we are trying to be very focused on on, on delivering short-term financing only. And there is some, some I would say, uh, adjacencies with uh, with other uh, your, uh, uh, Eurozone countries that, that we are trying to, to target. But then uh, having in mind that uh, product or geographical expansion is, uh, is a huge defocus. Yeah, and and it is and it will always keep in mind. And lending by itself in one country is, is a huge market, right? Even uh, for 30, 60, 90 days, that is and and it's such so untapped. I mean, that is what um, I was discussing here frequently. B two B when it comes to B two B payments, B two B lending, digital lending is such a such a blue ocean still in most of the markets, and so much to capture, right? So so, so there's still plenty of fish. <laughs> yeah. Indeed, indeed. I mean, uh, um, uh, Jordan, these were uh, amazing kind of like closing words for our content piece. Uh, all the listeners uh, always know that um, in the uh, last uh, one or two minutes, we always do a couple of uh, rapid fire questions just to round it off with a, with a bit of personal note. Um, are you ready? Yeah, let's try it. Perfect. I mean, who is a business leader you follow or whose posts do you enjoy reading if you have one? Yeah, so, so recently I like to follow uh, Sam Atman uh, on Twitter. Uh, obviously, with all the uh, ChatGPT hype, uh, but before that, he was uh, he was he was tweeting a lot about uh, entrepreneurship because he was the maybe still is uh, uh, one of the uh, Y Combinator co-founders, uh, and Y Combinator is the um, uh, most well-known uh, startup uh, accelerator in the world uh, in space. In sure. And so uh, he has this way of of tweeting that he, that is uh, uh, a bit geeky uh, that I, that I like uh, that I enjoy reading basically. Amazing! That's I think a, a super good uh, a good read. Uh, what kind of tasks or activities would you like to spend more time during your workday? Uh, reading his tweets. <laughs> <laughs> Amazing! And then the last one: What is the favorite part of your job, and what's the least favorite part of your job? Well, uh, uh, Let's say the, the, the favorite part of the of my job is that uh, you get a huge diversity of topics uh, and most of the time problems to tackle during the day from very very yes. like concrete stuff like uh, let's go let's go get a uh, a letter at the post office but the post office is closed but your letter is then late etc to uh, to like uh, uh, let's try to have this kind of conversation uh, uh, on the podcast and be inspiring and uh, I don't know uh, let's try to have impact. So, so I would say the diversity of it and the, the least part is that uh, the least favorite part, I don't know, it's uh, maybe that it never ends. 
Yes, 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 I know. It's a, and, and once you have achieved something, the next mountain comes and the next mountain and the next exactly. mountain. So, Dan, I mean, it was amazing having you. That was uh, really, really inspiring. A lot of great hypotheses, I think, um, that we could see. Thank you so much you. For, for joining me. And uh, yeah, have a great day. Thanks so much, Jordan. Thank you very much.